This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. We live in a world of options where we might do this or that if we feel like it. But for followers of Jesus, certain things are not optional, but necessary. Keep listening to find out more about Necessary Christianity by Claude Alexander and by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. In sharing the realities of humanity, the Bible does not shy away from the way that people unjustly sin against each other. Today's Bible audio episode features themes of human suffering, like sexual trauma and violence, that may be inappropriate for small children and triggering to others. While presently there is mixed research about the benefit of trigger warnings, we wanted to make you aware of this content so that you can govern yourselves accordingly. Reaching out to a trusted support, journaling, using relaxation techniques, and to the extent that you can, exercising or moving your body are best practices. Ultimately, we pray that even in the most difficult portions of Scripture, you come to know that the God of all justice and compassion sees you. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Presented by Inner Varsity Press. The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, Judges chapter 19 through Judges chapter 20. Chapter 19, Sodom and Gomorrah revisited. In those days, Israel had no king. There was a Levite living temporarily in the remote region of the Ephraimite hill country. He acquired a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. However, she got angry at him and went home to her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah. When she had been there four months, her husband came after her, hoping he could convince her to return. He brought with him his servant and a pair of donkeys. When she brought him into her father's house and the girl's father saw him, he greeted him warmly. His father-in-law, the girl's father, persuaded him to stay with him for three days. And they ate and drank together and spent the night there. On the fourth day, they woke up early and the Levite got ready to leave. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, have a bite to eat for some energy, then you can go. So the two of them sat down and had a meal together. Then the girl's father said to the man, why not stay another night and have a good time? When the man got ready to leave, his father-in-law convinced him to stay another night. He woke up early in the morning on the fifth day so he could leave. But the girl's father said, get some energy. Wait until later in the day to leave. 
so they ate a meal together. When the man got ready to leave with his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Look, the day is almost over. Stay another night. Since the day is over, stay another night here and have a good time. You can get up early tomorrow and start your trip home. But the man did not want to stay another night. He left and traveled as far as Jebus, that is Jerusalem. He had with him a pair of saddled donkeys and his concubine. When they got near Jebus, it was getting quite late and the servant said to his master, Come on, let's stop at this Jebusite city and spend the night in it. But his master said to him, We should not stop at a foreign city where non-Israelites live. We will travel on to Gibeah. He said to his servant, Come on, we will go into one of the other towns and spend the night in Gibeah or Ramoth. So they traveled on, and the sun went down when they were near Gibeoth in the territory of Benjamin. They stopped there and decided to spend the night in Gibeoth. They came into the city and sat down in the town square, but no one invited them to spend the night. But then an old man passed by, returning at the end of the day from his work in the field. The man was from the Ephraimite hill country. He was living temporarily in Gibeoth. The residents of the town were Benjaminites. When he looked up and saw the traveler in the town square, the old man said, Where are you hitting? Where do you come from? The Levite said to him, We are traveling from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote region of Ephraimite hill country. That's where I'm from. I had business in Bethlehem in Judah, but now I'm hitting home. But no one has invited me into their home. We have enough straw and grain for our donkeys, and there is enough food and wine for me, your female servant, and the young man who is with your servants. We lack nothing. The old man said, Everything is just fine. I will take care of all your needs. But don't spend the night in the town square. So he brought him to his house and fed the donkeys. They washed their feet and had a meal. They were having a good time when suddenly some men of the city, some good-for-nothings, surrounded the house and kept beating on the door. They said to the old man who owned the house, Send out the man who came to visit you so we can take carnal knowledge of him. The man who owned the house went outside and said to them, No, my brothers, don't do this wicked thing. After all, this man is a guest in my house. Don't do such a disgraceful thing. Here are my virgin daughter and my guest's concubine. I will send them out and you can abuse them and do to them whatever you like. But don't do such a disgraceful thing to this man. The men refused to listen to him, so the Levite grabbed his concubine and made her go outside. They raped her and abused her all night long until morning. They let her go at dawn. The woman arrived back at daybreak and was sprawled out on the doorstep of the house where her master was staying until it became light. When her master got up in the morning, opened the doors of the house, and went outside to start on his journey, there was the woman, his concubine, sprawled out on the doorstep of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let's leave. But there was no response. He put her on the donkey and went home. When he got home, he took a knife, grasped his concubine, and carved her up into twelve pieces. Then he sent the pieces throughout Israel. Everyone who saw the sight said, Nothing like this has happened or been witnessed during the entire time since the Israelites left the land of Egypt. Take careful note of it. Discuss it and speak. Chapter 20. Civil War Breaks Out All the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead 
left their homes and assembled together before the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people from all the tribes of Israel took their places in the assembly of God's people, which numbered 400,000 sword-wielding foot soldiers. The Benjaminites heard that the Israelites had gone up to Mizpah. Then the Israelites said, explain how this wicked thing happened. The Levite, the husband of the murdered woman, spoke up. I and my concubine stopped in Gibeoth, in the territory of Benjamin, to spend the night. The leaders of Gibeoth attacked me and at night surrounded the house where I was staying. They wanted to kill me. Instead, they abused my concubine so badly that she died. I took hold of my concubine and carved her up and sent the pieces throughout the territory occupied by Israel because they committed such an unthinkable atrocity in Israel. All you Israelites, make a decision here. All Israel rose up in unison and said, Not one of us will go home. Not one of us will return to his house. Now this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will attack the city as the lot dictates. We will take ten of every group of a hundred men from all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of every group of a thousand, and a thousand of every group of ten thousand, to get supplies for the army. When they arrive in Gibeah of Benjamin, they will punish them for the atrocity that they committed in Israel. So all the men of Israel gathered together at the city as allies. The tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin, saying, How could such a wicked thing take place? Now hand over the good-for-nothings in Gibeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of wickedness. But the Benjaminites refused to listen to their Israelite brothers. The Benjaminites came from their cities and assembled at Gibeah to make war against the Israelites. That day, the Benjaminites mustered from their cities 26,000 sword-wielding soldiers, besides 700 well-trained soldiers from Gibeah. Among this army were 700 specially trained left-handed soldiers. Each one could sling a stone and hit even the smallest target. The men of Israel, not counting Benjamin, had mustered 400,000 sword-wielding soldiers, everyone an experienced warrior. The Israelites went up to Bethel and asked God, Who should lead the charge against the Benjaminites? The Lord said, Judah should lead. The Israelites got up the next morning and moved against Gibeah. The men of Israel marched out to fight Benjamin. They arranged their battle lines against Gibeah. The Benjaminites attacked from Gibeah and struck down 22,000 Israelites that day. The Israelite army took heart and once more arranged their battle lines in the same place where they had taken their positions the day before. The Israelites went up and wept before the Lord until evening. They asked the Lord, Should we again march out to fight the Benjaminites, our brothers? The Lord said, Attack them. So the Israelites marched towards the Benjaminites the next day. The Benjaminites again attacked from Gibeah and struck down 18,000 sword-wielding Israelite soldiers. So all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel. They wept and sat there before the Lord. They did not eat anything that day until evening. They offered up burnt sacrifices and tokens of peace to the Lord. The Israelites asked the Lord, for the ark of God's covenant was there in those days. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, was serving the Lord in those days. Should we once more march out to fight the Benjaminites, our brothers, or should we quit? The Lord said, attack, for tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So Israel hid men in ambush outside Gibeah. The Israelites attacked the Benjaminites the next day. They took their positions against Gibeah, just as they had done before. The Benjaminites attacked the army, leaving the city unguarded. 
they began to strike down their enemy just as they had done before. On the main roads, one leads to Bethel, the other to Gibeoth. And in the field, they struck down about 30 Israelites. Then the Benjaminites said, They are defeated just as before. But the Israelites said, Let's retreat and lure them away from the city into the main roads. All the men of Israel got up from their places and took their positions at Baal Tamar, while the Israelites hiding in an ambush jumped out of their places west of Gibeoth. Then 10,000 men, well-trained soldiers from all Israel, made a frontal assault against Gibeoth. The battle was fierce, but the Benjaminites did not realize that disaster was at their doorstep. The Lord annihilated Benjamin before Israel. The Israelites struck down that day 25,100 sword-wielding Benjaminites. Then the Benjaminites saw that they were defeated. The Israelites retreated before Benjamin because they had confidence in the men they had hidden in ambush outside of Gibeoth. The men hiding in ambush made a mad dash to Gibeoth. They attacked and put the sword to the entire city. The Israelites and the men hiding in ambush had arranged a signal. When the men hiding in ambush sent up a smoke signal from the city, the Israelites counterattacked. Benjamin had begun to strike down the Israelites. They struck down about 30 men. They said, there's no doubt about it. They are totally defeated, as in the earlier battle. But when the signal, a pillar of smoke, began to rise from the city, the Benjaminites turned around and saw the whole city going up in a cloud of smoke that rose high into the sky. When the Israelites turned around, the Benjaminites panicked because they could see that disaster was on their doorstep. They retreated before the Israelites, taking the road to the wilderness. But the battle overtook them as men from the surrounding city struck them down. They surrounded the Benjaminites, chased them from Noah and annihilated them all the way to a spot east of Geba. So 18,000 Benjaminites, all of them capable warriors, fell dead. The rest turned and ran towards the wilderness, heading towards the cliff of Rimon. But the Israelites caught 5,000 of them on the main roads. They stayed right on their heels all the way to Gidom and struck down 2,000 more. That day, 25,000 sword-wielding Benjaminites fell in battle all of them capable warriors. But 600 survivors turned and ran away to the wilderness, to the cliff of Rimon. They stayed there four months. The Israelites returned to the Benjaminite towns and put the sword to them. They wiped out the cities, the animals, and everything they could find. They set fire to every city in their path. New Testament reading, Luke Chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you understand it? The expert answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the expert, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, 
But when he saw the injured man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came up to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling came to where the injured man was. And when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring olive oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever else you spend, I will repay you when I come back this way. Which of these three do you think became a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in religious law said, The one who showed mercy to him. So Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and holy God, we are stopped right in our tracks at the depth of wickedness and sin that humanity is capable of. As we reflect on the judges' passages, oh God, we are reminded of the coldness and the cruelty and the ways in which we ignore the calling command of deep hospitality, love and protection towards our neighbors, the way that we reject that and the deep, deep consequences for doing such. Lord God, we are pained by the story of the sacrifice concubine. We are saddened and enraged by the ways in which she was used as if she was dispensable, even by the man, the Levite, who had, who had come to retrieve her, but yet so quickly turned her aside out of his own fear. Gracious God, we are reminded the ways in which fear and our own desire for self-protection can cause us to treat people that we claim to love as dispensable. Merciful God, we are also reminded that you are just and holy and righteous. And while revenge is not ours, you, O oh God, do avenge. And the steep, painful consequences of that entire story, of that wickedness, the assault, the death, the violation, O oh God, the bloodshed that came from that, the vengeance, the righteous anger that came and arose from the death and the violation of the concubine. Merciful God, would you sober us to the way that you see and that you value the life and the dignity of all people, but particularly those that we have marginalized and put to the side, the concubines of our world today. God, would you clean up your church? Would you correct your church and the ways that we have ignored assault and abuse and sexual harassment and objectification of people, but specifically women, oh God? Would you bring about, through your just and righteous and holy anger, justice and purification, but also healing and wholeness and mercy to those objectified and misused, O oh God? Create in us the church a clean heart and clean hands, O oh God. Lord, we're reminded that we so quickly, like the expert in religion, use our theology, use our sense of knowing the Bible, use our religiosity to not demonstrate compassion, 
to not engage in the weightier matters of the law. Oh God, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us for passing people by? For passing those by like the concubine who suffer at the hands and intentions of those who objectify and abuse women. Oh God, would you forgive us for walking to the other side of the road in the name of our religiosity, ignoring those who are suffering and struggling on the side of the road, instead of responding like the Samaritan in care, concern, and generosity. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you are the greater Samaritan, the one who knelt down low to retrieve us in our helpless and vulnerable estate, to grant to us mercy and kindness from your generous, generous heart and hands. God, would you make us more like Jesus in the way that we love and the way that we live and the way that we do justice. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Life in God is less about what you could do and more about what you must do. Contrary to the life of the optional, accidental, and haphazard, the believer is called to live with a sense of divine necessity. No maybes about it. In Necessary Christianity, Bishop Claude Alexander unpacks the gospel statements of what Jesus said he must do. He must be about his father's business. He must go through Samaria. He must go to Jerusalem. Learn what is necessary for us to follow Jesus. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S shipping when you use the promo code the word that's promo code t-h-e-w-o-r-d at ivpress.com we pray this time of getting the word with truth table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of god's word but doers share your reflections on these scriptures with us on twitter and instagram using the hashtag get in the word and hashtag truths table saints Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from BibleStudyTogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee. Oh, 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 oh,